What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. For the Let's see, I guess this is our fourth installment on the whole armor of God. We kicked that off talking about spiritual warfare, and we've been working our way through each individual piece of armor. And one of the things that I have found uh, challenging and also surprisingly very enjoyable at the same time about this series is that Paul says, put on the whole armor of God and trying to figure out exactly how to do that. For instance, today we're focusing on verse 15, which says, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And as I read that, I think, how do you metaphorically put on metaphorical footwear? Well, we'll have a bit of a go at figuring that out today, but first we're going to start by reading our scripture passage from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, which say, I've got them on my monitor over here to the left, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit always with all kinds of prayer and supplication. To that end, be alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Amen. Well, we began four weeks ago now, I guess it was, in this particular series by talking about spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is a battle that every Christian in is engaged in every day. And that battle at its very core is the battle to live your life in daily obedience to Christ and every decision we make. And I think we can break that battle down into three basic understandings that have kind of begun to develop as we go through this. And I think they will continue to do so. First of all, one understanding about spiritual warfare is uh, what it is and what it isn't. It's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's a battle against spiritual darkness and evil. As Paul talks about in verse 12 of our passage, it's a battle against forces that are not physically visible. And these forces of darkness seek to lead believers into disobedience through uh, temptation, through deception, um, through distraction, similar to what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. And these same forces also attempt to lead people to curse God like Satan did with Job or attempted to do with Job, I should say. Now, we know as believers, if you've read your Bible, you finished the book out, you know that ultimately the enemy is defeated and bound for the lake of 
fire. And all the forces of evil can do, Satan and his angels can do between now and then is attempt to lead people away from the knowledge of God and drag as many people as possible with them into the lake of fire. Now, the second important understanding about spiritual warfare is understanding that we must discipline ourselves to fight the battle. Uh, It's something we have to work at, something we have to train ourselves to, something we have to discipline ourselves. And the first step in that is what Paul talks about in our passage where he talks about standing firm in the strength of the Lord and putting on the whole armor of God. And then we discipline ourselves to pray. We discipline ourselves to read our Bible. We discipline ourselves to show up at church on Sunday. We discipline ourselves to follow Jesus in the daily decisions that we make day in, day out. And if you're not doing those basic things, you're losing the battle and you will fall prey to the forces of evil. You will be defeated. How you treat your spouse, raise your kids, how you use the internet, and the thoughts you allow your mind to dwell on All of those things matter. They're all important and they must be done in obedience to Jesus if you are going to achieve victory in spiritual warfare. You see, that's where the battle takes place. It takes place in our heart and our mind. And that's not to say that there are not battles happening out in the world, battles that are happening outside of ourselves, but you must be winning that battle for daily everyday obedience, even in the mundane things, before you can really begin to consider addressing anything that might be happening anywhere else. It's very important that we understand that the battle, the front lines are in our own heart, in our own mind, and living in obedience to Jesus. And that brings us to the third major understanding of spiritual warfare, which is sort yourself out first. Uh, Win the battle for your own heart, for your own mind. Um, Because if you're not, you won't be winning any battles for the hearts and the minds of others. Jesus says, remove the plank from your own eye before you remove the speck from someone else's. And that's the gist of what he's talking about there. Uh, Spiritual maturity, victory in spiritual warfare are not about pointing out what's wrong with the world. They're not about complaining about what other people might be doing wrong. It's not about recognizing the world is full of problems. You see, that's not a battle at all. That's easy. Anybody can do that. And for some Christians, that seems to be their favorite form of recreation is uh, complaining about what's going on that's wrong in the world. Victory in spiritual warfare is not about what the world around you does but about how you live your life. That's a battle. And it's not a battle to complain. That's easy, but it is a battle to live your life in every decision in obedience to Jesus. And you must first win the battles in your own life. And then maybe you can move on to other things. You you know get yourself sorted out. Maybe you can help someone else. Uh, if you can do that, maybe you can serve your family. You can help them grow. You can do that. Maybe you can serve in church in some capacity and help your church grow. Uh, then maybe you can reach out into the community even possibly and lead others to the knowledge of God and potentially even affect the larger culture. But that all begins with living your own life in obedience to Jesus. If you're living 
not doing that, if you're living like a second hidden life with, you know, uh, years of pastoral experience have taught me that a lot of people do that. They come to church on Sunday and they're one person, but during the week, there's somebody different. And if you're trying to live that dual life, um, you, you know, put up a front, maybe around other Christians and things like that, and you kind of claim to be a Christian. But if your finances are a mess, your family's a mess, uh, you come to church not to serve, but to consume, you are being defeated in the daily battle to live your life in obedience to Jesus, you're losing the battle. You're being defeated. That's just the reality of it. And you're not going to be able to do anything beyond that. And there's really no point in complaining about anything. Sort yourself out first, then worry about the rest of the world. And I think that's partly why Paul mentions the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness as the first two pieces of armor. They're very foundational. They're very essential. The belt of truth represents the foundation for the rest of the whole armor, the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything else is held in place by that. Telling the truth, living the truth, acting on truth are all very important in Christian living, but it, but our foundation is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel. And then the next piece of armor we spoke about was the breastplate of righteousness, the piece of armor that protects our hearts. It has both passive and active qualities. We are uh, passive in wearing it then in that it does protect us. It's active in protecting us. We're passive in wearing it. But we're also active in that the way we put the breastplate of righteousness on is in obedience to Christ. That's how we take it up. That's how we put it on is by living in obedience. Uh, If you tuned into the last episode, we talked a bit about that and the difference between uh, righteousness before God, which comes through Christ and righteousness before men, which is in living in obedience to Christ. One of Satan's schemes is that through temptation, deception, he attempts to lead us away from obedience to Christ. And therefore, as we do that, we set aside the breastplate of righteousness which then opens us up to attack and makes us vulnerable. Now, the first two pieces of armor represent God's plan of redemption, the gospel, and also living in obedience to Jesus. And that is probably the most simple way you could define Christian life. First, you come to know Jesus, saved by him, believe the gospel. And then next, you live in obedience to Christ. Accept Christ and obey. If you had to sum up, you know, uh, Christian life into one sentence, that would be it. That's like the one-two punch of spiritual warfare in kickboxing, MMA, uh, boxing. Probably the most basic combination in that is the jab and cross. You, you. Uh, sometimes it's called the one-two punch. You step in, you jab with the lead arm, then you pivot, come across the body with your other arm. That's like salvation and obedience in Christian life. The two most foundational parts of being a Christian. I uh, was I was a martial artist for many years. I worked my way up into earning a black belt, and I was a hand to hand combat instructor in the Marine Corps. I went to school. I was in the Marine Corps to do that. And when I very far first started in uh, martial arts as a young teenager, one of the first things I was taught was that you build a foundation 
of course, you learn, and that means learning the fundamentals. You have to learn those first. And then you build a house on that foundation. But once the house is built, you don't pull the foundation out from under the house. And the illustration means that you never stop practicing the fundamentals. There are some fundamental things that never go away. Every time we practice, we practice the fundamentals. And if you stop practicing those, it's like pulling the foundation out from under the house. And if you do that, obviously the house is going to collapse. It can't stand without its foundation. And as Christians, we never go to a place where we remove salvation and obedience. We never go to a place where we pull those things out from under Christianity as the foundational parts of Christianity. Um, some sects of Christianity have done that. Some have left those behind. Um, they've replaced those things or removed them, made other things more important, gone down the road of maybe a prosperity gospel or a social justice gospel, neither of which are the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as they do that, what happens is the house of sound belief in Bible teaching collapses in on itself and it eventually becomes a pile of nothing. And today we focus on the shoes of the gospel of peace from verse 15, which says, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. We're talking about a metaphor for footwear. It's reasonable to think that there is a sense of mobility to be equated with that metaphor for footwear, equated with the gospel as in taking the gospel to the world, which is very true. And the connection there can certainly be made. Um, and that is certainly found in the whole armor of God. I think you probably find it more in the belt of truth than the footwear of the gospel. But that's kind of how the this part of this passage is usually presented. Verse 15 is when it talks about the footwear of the gospel, it's about mobility, taking it to the world, things like that. Certainly the application can be made. I'm not you know, trying to take anything away from that. But as is often the case with scripture, there are multiple layers that you can dig into and you can learn. So let's let's work through this verse one piece at a time and have a look at it. It begins with having your feet fitted. So we're talking about a metaphor for footwear, um, boots, sandals, shoes. Um, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, I guess. I, I call it shoes for our Sunday church service. And I don't know if that was the best one to use, but anyway, you look at it, it's footwear. And fitted means to bind under, like putting on, lacing up, like when you put your shoes, you're kind of putting them under your feet, really. And then you lace them up on your feet. You make that footwear secure. And I don't know, people seem to enjoy my stories from when I was in the military. Um, so here's another Marine Corps story for you. One thing I learned very early on was that you must take good care of your feet. That's imperative. When going into the field, going out to the bush, wherever we might be, I'd always take extra socks. Most guys would. Uh, we'd change our socks once or twice a day if we had a you know a minute to stop and do that. We'd hang our uh, our uh, uh, socks that we changed out of on the back of our pack, let them dry out, let them get some sun, things like that. And we would try to keep our feet in the best condition possible. I've actually got some pretty gross stories about feet and people not taking care of their feet, but they probably wouldn't be appropriate for this. Anyway, we need to take care of our feet. That's important. 
And in regards to combat footwear that we had, we had two different kinds of boots. And we had black leather combat boots, which I suppose, you know, if you've ever seen the standard military black leather boots, that's probably what they were. And we also had jungle boots and both were designed to protect your feet. The jungle boots were, had leather on the toe and the heel and they had canvas in between, a very durable, heavy canvas. They had little vents in the side so the water could drain out and your feet could breathe at least a little bit. And they also had a metal shank that ran through the center of the sole, through the actual rubber in the boot. And it was intended to protect your foot if you stepped on something intended to penetrate your foot, like a sharpened stick maybe that was put in a pit and and was waiting to be stepped on. A sharp stick in your foot is not something that will kill you, but it will definitely incapacitate you. I remember one time when I was a kid, I stuck a pitchfork in my foot and that was pretty painful. It incapacitated me for a little bit. But a sharp stick in your foot in combat, it won't kill you, but it will make you incapable of fighting. It'll make you immobile. And in warfare, the goal isn't so much to kill your enemy as it is just to incapacitate your enemy, to remove them from the battle. That's the same reason that military rounds are made with a full metal jacket instead of a soft point with like most sporting rounds are. And not trying to be too graphic, but with a soft point, like a uh, sporting round, when that round makes impact, what it does is it mushrooms out and it causes a lot more trauma to the target that way. It's like dropping a big rock in a pond and there's like shock waves that go out. Um, but a full metal jacket doesn't do that. It just punches a hole, goes right through. And the goal, like I say in combat, is not to kill the enemy, but to remove them from battle. And that's kind of what a stick in the bottom of the foot does or a full metal jacket round does. It doesn't kill people. It just removes them from combat. And what happens is if you can incapacitate one enemy, it actually takes two more to carry the one who's incapacitated. So instead of taking out one enemy, you've actually removed three from battle. If a Marine were to become incapacitated because he didn't take care of his feet and protect his feet, he has not only become incapable of battle himself, but he's also removed two other Marines from combat readiness because they have to carry him. And I've seen that when situations where people have hurt themselves and been part of that, where someone maybe was hurt in some way and they had to be carried. And it uh, really slowed everyone down and made things difficult. It's very incapacitating for the whole unit. And having your feet fitted and laced up includes a degree of protection. And again, this is metaphorical footwear, boots, shoes, sandals, whatever. Protection is an essential function of footwear. That's really the main reason we wear footwear. I suppose it's somewhat decorative in some cases too. It looks nice, but for the most part, it's protective. Now we're talking about gospel footwear. And sometimes I think that Christians forget how foundational the gospel is to our faith. We can drift away from it. We can elevate other things uh, to a position of more importance where they're above it. Sometimes we see that happen among believers, among Christians. Uh, they drift away from the gospel 
And then in turn, they drift away from obedience to Christ. And then, you know, social issues, political issues become the focus. And that inevitably leads to infighting, backbiting, and division because somebody's saying, hey, we're off track. And somebody else says, oh, this is more important. And it just causes division and friction. And Satan wants to make that happen. Why would he take out one believer when he can take out a whole church? You see how that works. So fit your feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And protection is one essential function of footwear. And maybe even more important is that footwear provides stability and traction. Suitable footwear is a stable platform from which to do battle. It's a firm foundation. Uh, that's why athletes wear the footwear they do is to give them a firm foundation from which to compete. Um, you, know, you think of uh, ice hockey, for instance, like an ice hockey team. I know they're not wearing shoes, but they're wearing footwear that are actually stable on the ice. Can you imagine an ice hockey team trying to play ice hockey without skates? They would uh, get thrashed in a game of ice hockey. So in the case of having our feet fitted with the gospel of peace, it's what provides a Christian with a stable platform for the Christian life. Uh, the belt of truth is the foundation that keeps the rest of the armor in place. It keeps things together. It keeps things accessible. It holds things where they belong. It's very foundational. Now, the belt of truth and having our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, they're both uh, represent the gospel, both metaphors for the gospel, but they work from two slightly different perspectives, like how we talked about righteousness from two different perspectives last week. The gospel as the belt of truth is the foundation for the rest of the armor. But the gospel as footwear is the foundation for the person wearing the armor. It's the same thing, same message, performing two similar but slightly different functions. One is the foundation for the whole armor of God, and the other is the foundation for the person putting on the whole armor of God. It's in the gospel that a Christian finds firm footing. It's in the gospel that a Christian has traction. That's where the traction and the foundation are for Christian life and for spiritual warfare. For combat footwear, stability is essential. Firm footing is essential. You know, you're not going to go for uh, a jog and heels. The next word in verse is readiness. Having your feet fitted with the readiness of of the gospel of peace. Whether you run a race, fight a battle, or even just go for a walk, you get ready to do it. You prepare for it. And in a race, a runner will lace up their shoes and then they'll put their feet in the starting blocks to get ready to race. In the whole armor of God, we make ourselves ready by having our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. We lace up the footwear, being ready for whatever comes our way. We're putting on our footwear in preparation for spiritual warfare. That's where we find our foundation. That's where we get traction. And then we move on to the word gospel, which means good news. It's the good news that even though we are separated from God by our sin, 
Christ has made a way for us to be reconciled to God. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And in our peace, or in our passage, Paul also calls this the gospel of peace. The gospel is the good news that speaks peace to a sinful heart. A sense of peace from the recognition that I am secure in Christ. As Christians battle, struggle to live in obedience to Christ, fight that daily battle for spiritual war of spiritual warfare, they're sometimes incapacitated by things like fear, anxiety, depression, uh, lack of discipline. And it's not always the case, but sometimes that may be the result of not lacing up the footwear of the readiness of the gospel of peace. Kind of like some of my fellow Marines who didn't change their socks for far too long and became incapacitated. But how do we do what Paul says? How do you fit your feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace? Because it's something we need to do. Paul says to do it. Yeah, we need to continue to do it. When Paul talks about putting on the armor, putting on the uh, the footwear, he's talking about putting those things on and leaving them on, keeping them on to keep on wearing them. It's ongoing. And the belt of truth, you know, we talk about these, the truth, the footwear, the belt of truth and footwear, both as metaphors for the gospel. The belt of truth is looking at the gospel as Christ died for the sins of the world. When I preach the gospel, that's what I preach, whether it's in person, online, social media, on the podcast, or wherever. You know, that's what I talk about. That's what I preach. Uh, that's what I teach. It's the foundation of the Christian faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ died for all. God so loved the world. Jesus shed his blood for the remission of sins. And to fit our feet with the gospel of peace, we remember that. God so loved the world, but he also loved me. We put on the shoes of the gospel by remembering that it's personal. We go back to that place and remember how and why and what it is to be saved. It's the foundation that each individual Christian stands firm in. And we never want to leave that behind, that day when we came to know Jesus and how that happened and what brought us to that point and what it is, what Jesus has done for us. We never want to forget that. We never want to leave that behind. We never uh, want to forget that that applies to us as individuals, to us personally. Of course, I'm not talking about being saved again or anything like that, but remembering how and why we were saved because Christ died for me. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. We can say, yeah, God so loved the world. And I'm part of that world. God so loved me. And we all need to go back and settle ourselves in that again sometimes to reestablish our mind in that, in our own heart, in our mind, to renew ourselves in that. Yes, God loved the world, but he also, God loved me. That's how you lace up the gospel footwear. You make it personal again. You preach the gospel to yourself. That's how you lace up that footwear. Remember, God gave his son for me. Jesus shed his blood for me. Jesus is my savior. That's where we find stability. That's where we find firm footing is in the gospel as individuals. And I believe that's why this piece of armor is for your feet. That's where you will find a firm foundation that supports you and gives you traction as you fight the daily battle to live 
in obedience to your Savior, Jesus Christ. And I will be praying for you as you continue to fight that daily battle. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful. 